Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He is writing to a group of believers, and he has already given great foundational understanding as to who Jesus Christ is and how we should behave as believers in Jesus Christ. And in verse 14 and in verses that follow, he gets very specific about behavior and how that should be and why it should be. And today he's talking about complaining. He's telling them to stop complaining. He gives three reasons. He doesn't just say, stop complaining. He actually gives three reasons. He says that you need to stop for your own sake, for the sake of the unsaved, and for the sake of your pastor. It is the human condition to complain. You may say, well, I'm not a complainer. Well, sure you are. Everybody is, everybody complains here and there about things. We all have certain ideas or expectations about how things should be. I want this particular uh, event to happen. I want the election to go this way. I want this particular letter to come in the mail. I just have these ideas about how I want tomorrow to be. And if it doesn't match, I can either say, oh well, and just move on, or I can voice my displeasure. And if I voice my displeasure, I'm complaining. And you say, well, it's not very common. Well, if you read through your Bible, through the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of stories, and every single person in the Old Testament stories is a complainer. They all complain about this and they complain about that. Uh, David in the Psalms complains to God about what he doesn't like. And if I take my view and try to impose it upon others, and if they do not take it and I complain to them, then complaining moves into the level of sin. If I am displeased with how my life is going and I'm blaming other people and complaining in that regard, then it is a sin and complaining is a sin, but yet it is so common. And so Paul is saying, do all things without, in the ESV it says, grumbling or disputing. That is basically complaining. So not some things, not one or two things. He says all things. You're supposed to live your life being complaint-free. You are not supposed to be known 
as a complainer. The difficulty for us is that dissatisfaction is built into our system in America. We are prompted and encouraged to be dissatisfied by advertising. For one, if you are, if advertising gets up there and says, you're doing fine, you don't need this new car, then that advertising wouldn't do very well. They have to get you dissatisfied and discouraged with your current car, with your current uh, house, with your current shopping, with your current stove, with your current everything, you are told regularly by every form of advertising that these things are no good, that you need to be dissatisfied with them so that you will get rid of the old ones and get the new ones. Every politician that runs during election time and not tells you how bad your life is and if only you vote for them, then your life will be grand again. And the difficulty is you do vote for them, and when it comes around to election time again, they tell you how bad your life is, and they tell you how discouraged and dissatisfied and disappointed you should be so that you will vote for them and they will fix it. It has been discovered so long ago that if somebody can convince you that you are dissatisfied, that you are displeased, that if you don't like what's going on and they can fix it, you will give them money or give them a vote or do something of this nature. Uh, in dating, you might end up marrying them because they will make your life so grand because your life is so bad. And so this is built into everything we do. And Paul says, because it was that way back then, Paul says, don't do it. In all things, do without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is a word that is gangusmo. Gangusmo. It is supposed to be a a guttural sort of word, it is a mumbling, it is a sort of thing about how you don't like something. If you read through the Gospels, you see that the Pharisees were grumbling a lot about how Jesus was talking and what Jesus was teaching, that they were doing this kind of under-the-breath, displeased sort of talk and mumbling the word for uh, disputing is uh, di dialogosimo, which we kind of sounds like dialogue. You have one that is emotional. The grumbling is emotional. I don't like that. The disputing is intellectual. I don't like that. You can be very logical in your displeasure. You can be very logical in your fighting against something or complaining. And just because I give a logical argument in my complaining, I'm still complaining. I am still 
speaking in such a way that God doesn't like, and he doesn't like it for three reasons in this particular passage. And the first is, for your own sake, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to not be a complainer. And you need to be not a complainer because, as it says in 15, you're a child of God. If you believe in God, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. And if you're adopted into the family of God, your ideals, your understanding of tomorrow is all sourced in God. And if I am complaining about what's going on, that means I'm not trusting my Heavenly Father. That means I don't believe He has the best for me. I may complain to you about something, but if I'm a believer, I'm ultimately complaining against God, telling Him He doesn't know what He's doing. And so if I'm a child of God, I need to be someone who has faith that God knows what he's doing and following him in his various directions as opposed to being a complainer. It says in 15 that you may be blameless and innocent. The word blameless means blemish-free. Any Jewish person who is reading this 2,000 years ago would have a memory of the Old Testament sacrifices that were even going on during the time of Jesus where you had to bring a sheep or a goat or turtle doves and they had to be without blemish. They had to be perfect as an animal could be so that they could be sacrificed for your sins and that is the same sort of word that is used here, it means that nobody can bring a charge against you. And you say, well, nobody can be perfect. It doesn't say to be perfect. It just says to be above reproach so that nobody can bring a charge against you. If I speak to you and I say, well, what about this person over here? And your first thought is, Wow, they're a complainer, and that is how you interface with people, then you are not above reproach. I need to have the sort of speech and the sort of actions that when people think of me and ponder what sort of person I am, they can't really think about anything bad. Uh, doesn't mean I'm perfect. I am still a sinner saved by grace. But in my presentation with people, in my working out in public, I need to be somebody that they can't bring a charge against. And if I am a complainer, people will notice that. People will notice people who are always negative about something or complaining about something. And that is something that shouldn't be for a child of God. We need to be Against, uh, we need to be above reproach. Nobody can bring a charge against us. And we need to be innocent. And the word for innocent here means 
no mixing of things. Back in the day and probably even today, you have uh, unscrupulous winemakers who will take and water down the wine. They will add water to wine to make it last longer, to get more bottles out of the grapes. And that's not innocent. That's mixing. That's mixing water with wine. There, today we have, and back then we had, alloys of metal. You can take tin and iron and make uh, you know, metals that are stronger and, and mix metals and do things like that. And that's good for making tools or weapons, but it is also not pure. And so as Christians, our faith, we need to make sure we don't mix things with our faith. We don't go looking for better things or or more exciting things to add to our Christianity. We take our Christianity and we say, okay, this is pretty, you know, Paul says through the Holy Spirit, uh, do, do things without grumbling and disputing. And you say, well, that's kind of hard, so I'm going to find something that's easier. And I'm going to mix things with my Christianity instead of taking the pure word of God and doing what it says. And so we have this idea that people are watching us, especially in church, and we need to be such people that they can't think that we are bad people in church. And I'm not saying don't be, you know, hypocritical or lie. We need to not be bad people everywhere we go. But the people of God who get a chance to know you especially need to say, you're not a complainer. The second reason we don't complain, we don't grumble, we don't dispute is in the second part of 15. It said, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation... This is a phrase that is pulled out of Deuteronomy. Moses in Deuteronomy 32.5 said that about the Jewish people. The Jewish people were rebelling against God in the wilderness when God was sending them to claim the promised land. They seemed to fight him every step of the way. And in Deuteronomy 32.5, Moses calls them a crooked and perverse generation. Here, Paul is giving, saying that about the world. The world is in rebellion against God. We say, well, that person is just unsaved, but they're doing fine, as it were. They're very nice. Well, anybody who is not a Christian is in rebellion against God. They may not know they're in rebellion against God, but from God's point of view, they are committing treason and warfare against God. And one thing that he does when he saves people is he removes the enmity, the conflict, the war between him and his people. And so the, the world is a crooked and twisted group of people and you can 
you can ponder that. And uh, many of the commentaries I read said, they don't have to give examples because as soon as I say, the world is crooked and perverse, everybody can say, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know what that means. I have an example of that. I can think of that. You know, something you saw in the news, something you read in the newspaper, something you heard in a podcast, something just about how bizarre the world is today, how strange it is, you can go, oh yeah, I can see how it's crooked and perverse. Crooked, of course, means not straight. There is a norm in Scripture. There is a way of living and believing that God presents in Scripture that is straight, morally straight, faith-based straight. And what the world does is it messes that up. It makes it crooked so that you are morally crooked, so that you are uh, can't, don't really know what to believe, don't really know what to act, in the world trying to keep you dissatisfied, they also keep you off balance when it comes to truth. We don't necessarily know what to believe anymore if you follow what the world is saying. Because they say, no, 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 it isn't straight and simple, it's complicated and it's unsatisfying, and it's crooked. The world presents things as crooked, and then perverse just means morally bad. And we can look at the world today and go, yeah, it's morally bad. They really have no morals. You can do whatever you want. You can feel whatever you want and follow that, and your feelings are what is true, and that gets into all sorts of strange behaviors. And I mean, just consider the various parades we have to celebrate strange things. You look at that and you go, ah, that's crooked and perverse. And that is what the world is doing. And what are we? We are lights. The idea of how things work in the Bible is the world is darkness, Satan is darkness, God is light. We are part of the light. We let our light shine. It's not my light, it is the light of Jesus. It is the light of God's word. But when I go out in the world, I need to be light so that I look different. The idea is the world is going in a certain direction and going quickly in a certain direction, and we are different. And when the world sees us, when I go to a workplace, when I go to a grocery store, when I go to a doctor's appointment, I am different than the average person and the idea is that they're supposed to notice. Now, it doesn't mean that just because you walk, everybody that you walk near is going to get saved. No, that's not how it works. But it does mean they're going to notice, and it's going to cause them to think in a certain way, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit to notice your difference. And if you are a complainer, as this passage says, about everything to everybody, then there is no difference between you and the world. We are to be faith-based and not complaining-based so that when we are wherever we're at, somebody may just say, that person's peaceful. Peaceful is weird because nobody is peaceful today. But that person was peaceful and it just is another puzzle piece in their faith of coming to Jesus Christ. And so we act differently. We do different things. And how does this, uh, how long does this last? So in 16, we're holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, we do this until Jesus Christ comes back. There are two day ofs in the Bible. The first is the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord is throughout the minor prophets, throughout the Old Testament. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. It is when God comes back and he sees all the bad stuff we've done and he judges the world for their sin. In the New Testament, we know that that culminates in the battle of Armageddon where the world is shaking its fist at Jesus and he comes back and he wins. Okay, The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. The day of Christ, which is only in the New Testament, is a day when Jesus Christ comes back for his own. There will be a time where Jesus Christ will return. The dead in Christ will raise first, then those who are left alive in Christ will be raptured. And all the believers through all of time will be gathered to Jesus Christ at the wedding feast in heaven. That is the day of Christ. We look forward to the day of Christ. We also look forward to the day of the Lord because all those who have been against Christ for all these years are going to get their comeuppance. But the day of Christ is what we look forward to as our reward for living this way. And so we live in a crooked and perverse world not for our health, as it were. We do it so that when Christ comes back, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, which brings us to the third part. You are not complainers for the sake of your pastor. Now, Paul says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul is working hard for these people. And when it's all said and done, he envisions a day where we will all, he'll be resurrected, we're all resurrected in Christ, and he'll be able to look around, and he'll be able to see Oh, there's Sally and there's Larry from the Philippian church. 
and he'll be able to see the people that he poured his life into, and then he'll wonder, well, where's Jacob? And he'll be perhaps disappointed for a little bit that this person that he poured his life into did not make it into heaven, that they forsook the faith that Paul was preaching and they didn't make it into heaven. And he's saying that if everybody in the Philippian church doesn't make it, then he's working in vain. He's wasting his life praying for them, teaching them, giving them stuff from his self, pouring his life into them. If nobody there is saved, he has run the race in vain, he says. He has labored for nothing. Uh, I believe that many, if not all, of the people in the Philippian church will be in heaven that we will be able to see them and we will be able to speak with them. And as Paul is, is reunited with them, we also can be part of the group of the Philippian church. And so in the same way, every pastor of every church is very concerned for the salvation of their people, is that every pastor I know wrestles before God for your souls, knowing that when it's all said and done, and Jesus Christ says, everybody out of the pool, and everybody go up to heaven, that there is going to be a time of great joy, where I will see all of you there, where I will see you there, and you will see me, and I will understand that it all worked. Everything that Christ said is true, that I'm not wasting my life, that I am not spending my life in vain presenting Christ to you. It would be my joy to have Christ say to each one of you, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my prayer for you. John MacArthur says, the best thing believers can do for their pastors is faithfully to live out the truths of God's word that he has preached and taught so that they can say with Paul, I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Every pastor desires that the reward of his efforts will be full and the people under his care Love and obey the Lord without grumbling or complaining, and with their lives and words effectively demonstrate the gospel to be true and believable. It is my joy when I see Christ living out in you. And so the world is a perverse and crooked generation, and we need to live differently. We are called out ones. The word church is a Greek word that means called out ones. We are called out of the world into the kingdom of God and it needs to be clear who our king is. It needs to be clear who we are following and we do it without any grumbling or complaining. Let us pray. 
Lord God Almighty, we do praise your name for this teaching. And I pray that you would expose in our lives anything that is based in selfishness or grumbling or complaining or disputing that we may be so eager to live for you every day different than the crooked and perverse world. Lord, we thank you for this and ask your blessing on this day. We ask all this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.